Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's podcast interview with BJ Moore, CIO and Executive VP of Real Estate Strategy and Operations at Providence. In part one, we talk about the reasoning behind his dual role and how it can help drive the organization forward, why he dislikes the phrase hospital of the future, and how Providence hopes to become carbon negative in eight years. We'll get to our interview in a moment, but first, a brief word from our sponsor. At CrowdStrike, we stop breaches, and since threat actors often show up with legitimate credentials, stopping them can be tough, especially if your Active Directory hygiene has been less than perfect. But you can secure Active Directory now and clean up later. Find out more about identity protection and AD hardening at CrowdStrike.com healthcare. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I'm pretty sure that when I spoke to you last, it was uh, summer of 2020, so kind of yeah, like my, here we go again yeah, a lot has changed and a lot hasn't changed it's yeah just yeah definitely but yeah just really wanted to talk about the primary objectives that you guys are working on and of course how the variants are affecting that and um just a light note before we jump into it i saw a meme the other day it said the uh, hardest part about two weeks to flatten the curve is the first 18 months and i'm like yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm yeah, yes, Sabatru. So, Kate, did you want me to go back over my background? I think when we talked, it was actually before we combined the org, so maybe um, yeah. I can explain why I've kind of got two big roles. Yeah. So, August of 2020, I took over the real estate strategy and operations team. And so, basically, all the hospitals, clinics, the administrative space rolls up into me, as well as a lot of the caregivers that actually clean the hospitals, clean the, the rooms, manage the real estate portfolio. So that all rolls rolls into me. And usually when I say that, it's weird that a CIO would have both hats. Right. And so it's that context I want to give you. And the context I give is just refold one. You know, we learned March of 2020, the reason we were trying to flatten the curve is we were worried about the ICUs being overrun, right? It takes 10 years to build a new hospital, add hospital beds. And so we needed to spread out people getting COVID so our hospitals didn't get overrun. And what happened is, is instead of just relying upon our ICU beds, right, we really leaned on digital health, right? Mm-hmm. So we went from 10 virtual visits to 10,000 virtual visits. We went from really not caring for anybody from home, but I think we cared for over 20,000 COVID patients from home. Yeah. And so it became clear this concept of a hospital bed is actually an abstract idea. Yeah. That you can, you know, grow and shrink your capacity either digitally or with physical assets. So that's one reason. Okay. The other reason is the whole remote work, right? We're not just going to bring people back and put them in their old offices and cubes, right? It's now a collaborative work environment. It's a hybrid environment. People are going to work from home for a lot of productivity things. They'll come in the office for very specific things. And again, it's very much a melding of physical spaces and technology to really make that kind of workplace of the future. And then the third reason we combine the two is, you know, we've got this lofty goal of carbon negative by 2030. We can't do that with facilities alone. It's going to be, how do we get out of the data center business? How do we build smart buildings? How do we use technology to maybe expand our our capacity or increase our capacities versus building new buildings or building new hospitals or adding new hospital wings? So, you know, our our CEO, Rod Hockman, you know, really had the epiphany, boy, you know, real estate and IT are really becoming closer and closer together. Let's combine them under BJ. And so when we say we need more hospital beds, 
it can be an abstract idea versus, you know, the real estate team wants to build buildings or the IT team wants to, you know, build IT solutions. So that's, okay. that's a good context. Hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, and I'd like to think in three years, I mean, everybody now is like, why the heck do you own both? And in three <laughs> years, people are like, why wasn't this, these two things always together? That's weird. Why did we think physical buildings were these static things that we just built and just existed? Oh, yeah. So part of this was driven by COVID and just having to, to reimagine space. Exactly. Necessities at Mother Invention, mm. and now we'll never right. go back, right? When we announced a strategic partnership with Microsoft July 2019, I, I made the mistake of calling it the hospital of the future. I, re I regret that quote because with better hindsight, it's really care delivery of the future. And that care delivery at home, remote care delivery, telehealth, I mean, is really kind of the scenarios we need to double down on and you know the the hospitals are always going to be critical but it isn't the primary thrust anymore yeah and and as far as the goal of being carbon negative can you talk about where you are kind of at this point and what you're looking at with that yeah, so we've mapped out a eight-year journey with infrastructure investments, infrastructure deinvestment, strategic things to do. Like I said, right now we've got five data centers. We get out of the data center business and, and give that to, to Microsoft, who has their own green initiatives. So we've got a pragmatic plan mapped out between now and then. It's a sizable investment, but it's a reasonable investment that we can do. Mm -hmm. So we believe we had that glide path to get there. And, you know, you may or may not know, but in the U.S., you know, hospital or healthcare represent about 10% of the, the greenhouse gases. So we really see it as our responsibility to lead by example, right? We can't just talk about global warming and impact on communities, but not lead ourselves. So, yeah, we've got that very bold goal, um, and we're marching towards it. Okay. And part of it is the data centers. And where are you kind of with that? Yeah, we're uh, probably about 60% through that journey. You know, it's been a combination as we like in moving to the cloud as cleaning out your garage. You find out the things you've held in your garage for years you don't need after all. And that's the same thing with applications and servers. So we're retiring yeah. actually more applications and servers than we're moving to the cloud. And then the remaining workload we're moving there. The last big workload that we need to figure out, we're partnering with Epic and Microsoft on is to get Epic to Azure. We already have a couple of our Epic instances in Azure, but we are one of, if not the largest Epic instance in the world. And so our biggest instance, we can't put in, in Azure yet. So we're, we're partnering there. Okay. But yeah, I mean, the data centers is just one thing, right? It's the yeah. smart buildings, you know, it's, it's upgrading infrastructure, moving to LED lighting, you know, smarter buildings, or turning lights off dynamically, the way you manage computers and putting them to sleep. It's, it's making investments in solar or wind or other things to provide green power to our, our ministries, et cetera. It's yeah. probably a 10-point 10, 10 plan that we're executing on there. Okay. I've heard really just a few whispers about this throughout the industry, but I think that this is something that's really going to take off. Sometimes it takes a big system or a well-known system to kind of go down the path and others will follow. You get to make yeah, the blueprint. That's the hope. And, you know, as you probably know, Rod is also the American Hospital Association chair, so I think he rightfully so sees it as a given his his overall responsibility of the US health systems to, to lead by example. So yeah, yeah, we're proud to be doing it. Yeah, and you get to develop the blueprint. Yeah, we'll also get a stumble and you know, we're <laughs> sure. good, so 
citizens of things that we do that don't work out, we're going to share with our peers. Let's, you know, let's learn together. You know, this isn't a competition. We want to help other health systems out. So as we try things out and they don't work, we can warn other people don't do that or do it differently. And then, you know, obviously we want to learn from our peers as well. We don't believe we have the monopoly on great ideas. We want to learn from others. Sort of the collective good for all of us to get there. Right. And with your combined role, how would you say some of the, the approach has changed just as far as, you know, now dealing with different surges and variants? What are some of the ways and maybe you're approaching things differently? I don't know that we're approaching things differently. I think we're kind of accelerating our early learnings. You know, like I said, that remote care delivery, telehealth, yeah. bots, you know, how do we help our patients self-serve or navigate through the health system or navigate questions more easily? machine learning and AI to kind of continue to evolve our models on where we think surges are, when peaks are going to be, when we see declines. PPE and ventilators are no longer the sticking issue, but certainly staffing is becoming more and more acute, no pun intended. So how do we manage staffing levels and make sure we have staffing in the right place? So starting to think about staffing more um, as communities of staffing versus, you know, before a nurse was assigned to a hospital and our caregiver was assigned to a hospital and they were kind of there. So we're trying to create more elasticity through, you know, the employees serving the community versus a specific clinic or hospital. But I wouldn't say we're doing anything different because of Delta. I just mm-hmm. think that we're evolving strategies. I guess the one thing different is really staffing has become more acute versus the beginning of, of COVID. And as far as some of the work you're doing with, with the bots, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we're really evolving the Azure health bot. And then, you know, we're partnering with Nuance as well and their ambient artificial intelligence. It's really just how do we allow people to self-serve or do things more naturally. And I'm sure you're aware of DAX and, and Nuance and the whole ambient artificial intelligence. But, you know, how to use that to unencumber a, a caregiver from, you know, typing into the electronic health record and really just have natural speech with the patient. And then the mm-hmm. AI does the magic behind the scenes to make sure the patient and caregiver information gets put in the right place. So nice. those are kind of the bot or AI kind of things that we're doing to, to improve, improve scale, improve patient experience, improve caregiver productivity, reduce burnout. Yeah. Okay. And so in terms of telehealth, you know, everybody saw the huge jumps and everywhere. Yeah. What have you done to try to level things off a little bit or just to make sure that that's being used as effectively as it can? Yeah, I mean, as you can imagine, March going from ten to 10,000, we were proud of the scale we were able to do, but it was a little bit kludgy. So it's mostly mm-hmm. been how do we make those experiences better? How do we make them more seamless? How do we ensure security, patient experience, and engagement with the caregiver? So it's really going from bubble gum and bailing wire that we maybe have had in March and really kind of operationalizing and streamlining it. Mm-hmm. We've seen a small dip in telehealth usage, but it hasn't come anywhere near to reverting back to the mean, I believe, kind of the activity engagements there. And so, you know, how do you improve the experience? And then, yeah, I mentioned that quote from, from Microsoft regretting calling it the hospital of the future. We're, we're partnering with Microsoft on, okay, what are the clinical, caregiver, patient experiences that can now be additive to telehealth? And so we're starting to partner with Microsoft on the next generation of that. You know, still the telehealth video voice capabilities at the center, but mm-hmm. 
you know, how do you get care delivery teams acting more as a team? How do you have more seamless handoffs of patients between specialists? How do you have better note-taking and annotation and better communication between patients and docs? And, yeah. You know, so we're, we're starting to explore those kind of scenarios with Microsoft. Okay. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.